0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. They're down at nine. Winston in trouble. Wrapped up. Down he goes.
0: O'Shane Simones. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan.
1: Hello, Grump. Happy Monday. Happy podcast day. We are barreling towards. It seems like the draft's like in twenty months from now, but it's really only what six weeks, seven weeks.
0: Yeah, something like that. You'll you'll see. Give it give it a week, and you're gonna you're gonna realize how close it is when the weather starts to turn.
1: Oh, and you know, re- you're listening to this in your feeds on a Tuesday morning, and it's supposed in the to be New York area. It's supposed to be in the sixties, yeah. which makes me very happy because I'm I'm already sick of this weather. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean that that really should be the sign that baseball is coming. But you know, as far as we're concerned with the Just Giants podcast, it means free agency in the draft is coming.
0: Yes, yes, and it's you know it's it's been a big news a week uh, since our last since our last podcast. A lot of stuff going on, but nothing more recent than the signing the the Dallas Cowboys re-signing Dak Prescott to a four-year deal. Um, this is obviously big news because it impacts the Giants immensely, um, quarterback of division rival. But Dak Prescott will remain a Cowboy for four years, I think. I mean, I don't know that we have too many details on this contract other than it's four years, $160 million, including $126 million in guarantees. Um, and there's a no trade clause. I, that's, that's all I really know. Uh, I don't know if there's uh, any built-in possible cutout, but...
1: There was a signing bonus I saw. I think it was $25 million, I think was the signing bonus, so, something like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, Dak Prescott is probably the topic that Grump and I disagree about the most of a non-giant nature. We've had probably, go back to the archives, 10 debates on where we put Bre- Dak Prescott in the pantheon of – You know, NFL quarterbacks.
0: Well, we would agree that right now he's the best quarterback in the division, correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I would say he, you know, we were saying before the situation was rectified that, you know, the Giants had the most stable quarterback situation of anybody right now. Um, You know, we will put a, a little asterisk next to that because we do have to see how he comes back from a pretty gruesome injury. You know, it's not like... They're not signing a guy who's going to, you know, tomorrow morning is going to go out and start throwing passes and, you know, and getting ready. He still has some rehab to do. It sounds like it's all going well, but until you see it on the field, you never know.
0: Yeah, and just, and with that injury, it's important to know what Prescott is as a quarterback. He's I would not say a running quarterback, but a very, very, very mobile quarterback is a big part of his game and what makes him him. And he is not your Lamar Jackson speed slight frame I mean he's the big body guy who will take the hits you know it's important to keep that in mind for you know the type of player the resume that he has you know that's that's an important attribute and that injury will have a lasting effect it it remains to be seen if the injury will have a lasting effect on that portion of his game
1: right I mean so again that's another you know leap of faith that the Cowboys that probably only a team like the Cowboys would do is just be like, fine, you're getting the money that we probably would have agreed to this time last year anyway, you know, even though a major injury occurred during last negotiation of this negotiation. But that's, you know, that's the Cowboys. That That's Jerry Jones. He That's the guy he likes. That's the team that Dak Prescott likes. No farting around anymore. They got the deal done, and, you know, congrats to them. Um, what does that mean as far as the division? I mean, I, I mean, You're going to see tomorrow, you know, because it's the Cowboys, you're going to see, oh, they're the division favorites, you know, now this, now that. But let's remember one thing. We don't know what any of these rosters of these four teams are going to look like, you know, a week from now, two months from now, four months from now. So anything you see that, oh, the Cowboys are now the clear favorites to win because of the signing is looking for clicks.
0: Well, there's a lot of implications here. I mean – the, the the team in the division in the worst spot right now has to be Philadelphia. Really? And we, yeah, we we have I've talked looked. about it at length. I mean, they have now jettisoned a quarterback who was pretty much exiled before he was he left. Um, you know, they they, they, they had turmoil at head coach where you know there it was clearly not an immediate axing there. Some.
1: You we know, think he stinks, but he still won a Super Bowl. It,
0: yeah, I mean, but I mean, it doesn't it, matter. The fact is, is that there's right. definitely no plan happening right now. I mean, if if there was a plan to fire him, he would have been fired, you know, immediately, and he wasn't. It was a lot of blowback in the way he handled Week 16, Week 17, um, and you know, Cap-L. cap L. Cap is the biggest problem that they have. Dallas. Now we have to see how this affects them. Um, you know, we we can. Say that maybe Dallas was put in this position on their own. they really an unavoidable situation. But how to grade this? I mean, I don't know what the other options were. Well, I, I mean, I do have a theory. But uh, nevertheless, what this means for Dallas remains to be seen. As everybody scrambles to get under the cap and also, you know, get better under the new lowered cap. So we'll see what the impact this truly has you know, in in the coming months.
1: And let's remember, well, I mean, Texas, they pretty much opened their borders and they have a hundred, I would not be surprised if if the Cowboys have 100% capacity when the season starts, which will help them from a revenue perspective. But you're right, they got to get under the cap like everybody, the cap will be smaller for everybody in 2021. So, you know, Jerry Jones is not one to have a coherent plan in good years of how he builds a team. So we'll see you know what crumbs he has left and what he has to do because you know they got their quarterback but
0: they have their own problems they, with the offensive they have a, line they have, as well
1: oh, they have an, an atrocious defense that had to be completely rebuilt mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh and and not only that it raises questions with the the large cap number that ezekiel elliott holds on to etc so i mean there, there's a lot of things here now just briefly because you know this isn't my team i could care less but just briefly um it remains to be a, a running theory around the league that the way to win is to you know, take a shot... I mean, it, this is somewhat luck-based, but take a shot while you have a quarterback on a rookie deal because of the cap impact of signing a quarterback, um, right? I mean, this is something that we see around the league about taking your shots while you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. Um, would it have been absurd last year for Dallas in the situation they were in to tank after Dak's injury and have a legitimate shot at drafting Trevor Lawrence and thus avoiding Uh, this whole situation. uh,
1: The Cowboys are a franchise kind of like the Jets that can't get out of their own way. And, you know, rationally, yes. Yes. I mean, for no other reason, even if you don't want, you know, you don't want Trevor Lawrence, you know, you have the asset. Mm -hmm, And for a team that needs so much, if you, if you really are in love with Dak Prescott, you know, something, you could take that number one pick and you can flip that to a team that desperately wants Trevor Lawrence and you can get a boatload of, you know, that could be like a Herschel Walker all over again, type of situation. So, yeah, but you know, something, you know, Jerry Jones again. He always unzips his fly, and you already know what's in there. He he,
0: (laughs) speak for yourself, please. I don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you know, he's been saying for a year and a half that we're going to get a deal done. We want him. We want him. We want him. And eh, well, you kind of box yourself a little bit in for things, but yeah, that team was so bad last year and playing in such a bad, uh, you know, division. They they, should have done that. And of course, the only game they won was it knocked me out of a survivor pool when they won in Minnesota. Those fuckers. (laughs) Fuckers! <laughs> think any more reason I need to hate them, but yeah. I mean, and this that, was a this legitimate sort of fear
0: that I had by mid-season last year: is that Dallas? I was going to have to deal with Trevor Lawrence every year for the rest of my lifetime. Um, you know, I, I I truly think that this situation was handled with a real, which to me is somewhat absurd, but with a real thought that they were a Super Bowl contender last year. I mean. Putting sure. Dak Prescott on the franchise tag, which is absurd to me. A, because their defense was clearly undermanned roster wise. On paper, they were not very good. And and B, you have a brand new head coach. I mean, a do you really think everything? For- yeah. What a mess. I mean, it, it seems that all the moves that were made last year was a Super Bowl shot, which is a joke. I mean, imagining Dallas, even at full strength, going up against Kansas City and thinking that they had a shot is somewhat silly. You know, I don't really think much of Mike McCarthy anyway, but
1: in optimal conditions, optimal conditions, everything is going right. Maybe they have an offense that can, you know, overcome the deficiencies they on defense, but that never happened. And you know, and again when you're trying to install, you know, the defensive coordinator, the Mike Nolan was the big problem with the defense more than anything else. A head coach is a head coach is you know, installing what a head coach wants, you know, they have a different situation. Mike McCarthy is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. The Giants had a, a first-time guy who had never been a head coach anywhere before. So, you know, Mike McCarthy having to deal with COVID is a different situation than Joe Judge. But that defense was a mismatch from day one with Mike Nolan. It, it You know, obviously they lost the whole offseason, so he didn't get a chance to, to put in what he wanted to. And it was a disaster. And, you know, they – the kind of a lack of talent on defense too. So. But that again Jerry Jones is always going to if he, you know whatever he can do if he, if he thinks that's why they'll never ever be in a rebuild mode. You know we talk about the Giants how they you know never were truly rebuilding until Eli wasn't the quarterback anymore, but the Cowboys will never rebuild because they're the Cowboys. And they're America's team and everybody you know falls over themselves that they ever get a first down. So that's that's not going to happen with this team. That's why they're always going to be slightly above mediocre and that's why it's been how many decades since they won a playoff game?
0: So mm-hmm.
1: What, mm-hmm. yeah, that's them.
0: Um. Nevertheless, Dallas has wrapped up their quarterback situation. You know, it's done now, uh, and they are sitting pretty with the best quarterback in the division, most proven. We'll see how he is coming off the injury, but I mean, if I were them, I'd feel pretty comfortable. I'd feel okay.
1: Do we think? Do we think Philly's done with their quarterback situation? Do we really think they're going to roll with Jalen Hurts? Or do you think they're going to make a move?
0: Man, I don't know. It seems like they don't know. I don't know that they, it really seems like there is no plan there. I mean with Carson Wentz, with the head coach, with, with even with dealing with the last game. I mean you have Jalen Hurts pulled from the game and I don't know –
1: Oh, they want to get a good evaluation
0: of... I mean, no, in all seriousness, I mean, we know that's to lose the game to move up three spots in the draft, as ridiculous as that is, but they didn't even have enough film on Jalen Hurts anyway. I mean, they didn't really have an evaluation of him. So, I mean, all of it seems like a fucking mess. Like, it's really, truly like someone cluelessly just doing things. Um... I mean, I maybe understand. they have a trick up their sleeve. Maybe they're talking to some people <laughs> about something, uh, but it really with seems
1: like—I
0: mean—a a move with another team. I, I don't really think that they're. What well, point in... is like?
1: What, what do they have really that's appealing to anybody really at this point? Oh. Like, what are they making that move with? I, I don't know. Um... You know, when people are—you know—I can understand why people don't like Dave gentleman and they are concerned about the f- future of this franchise, but. Just look at the other three teams in this division, and the rudderless, lack of navigation, and direction of any of those three teams right now. It's it's that's well that's a good reason why you know the, the, this division's the worst division in football history last year. Is you know they for the majority all four franchises
0: just kind of doing whatever over the last couple yeah. Of years, yeah.
1: Not knowing you know no no plan. I mean, you don't have a plan in this league. You become. You know, fighting for a playoff spot when you are 5-10. and 10.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what Philly's going to do, but that's their problem, not mine. Yeah. Um, the Giants' problem, they they in their efforts to get under the cap and, and to—they're to, already under the cap— to get their things together to start making moves, um, they had to make a couple of cap casualties. One we mentioned on last week's pause— podcast as a possibility which was David Mayo because there was literally no dead cap hit there so you know David Mayo has been cut that's that I mean we're talking about a guy who is a rotate I I don't mind David Mayo coming off the bench Um, but you know it's a no-brainer with a with no dead cap hit and uh, you know the fact that he is nothing more than off
1: the bench evil moves you know it's just you don't like to get rid of him but that's the least painful cut you have to make
0: um the other one – well, we'll talk about one more that's going to evolve into a longer topic. But today, Monday, the Giants restructured the contract of Levine Um We don't know the details of the restructuring, but I mean it this is a minimal move. Uh, I'm not really sure how the money moved around or if years were added to his contract or whatever. But I mean we're, we're talking about a guy who was making less than $3 million uh, against the cap next year. So whatever move was made was a minimal money move. I think, I guess they they liked what they saw from him in a blocking standpoint. We don't have much there at tight end. That's what he was signed for. He looked okay to me, you know, off the top of my head without going back and looking at film or reading my tweets to see if I had a rage moment about him. But, (laughs) you know, a a minimal move here.
1: Would you say that's a smoke signal at all for anything going on with Evan Ingram?
0: I don't think it has anything at all to do with Evan Ingram. I, I don't. Um, I think it's just simple that that the Giants are still going to be modeling their offense around Saquon Barkley at this time, or or just the running game in general. They are going to use a lot of two and three tight end sets, and Toy Lolo has situated himself as one of the better blocking tight ends on the roster. And given his cap, they were able to move numbers around to help with that. I I think that's very, very plain and simple. Yep. Um, the more important one is the Giants have parted ways with Golden Tate. Um, Golden Tate had previously previously signed a four year deal worth X amount of money. I don't know, whatever, a lot of money. And I, I don't have the contract details in front of me. I'm, I apologize for that. But and,
1: and it was done shortly after the Beckham trade,
0: right? It was. It, he was signed shortly after Odell Beckham was traded. Um, I believe three two days, like really quick. But the way the contract was structured is that there was an out this year. So this is not, this should not have been a big surprise. Um, Giants fans mix, rejoice with, you know, uh, I guess, um, just going over how they didn't like the signing to begin with. Uh, To me, I don't mind. Golden Tate, the way he was signed... I don't. I mean, it's not my money, so I don't care how much he was making. I think against the cap, he was making a fair amount for what he brings to the table. I think a lot of the deficiencies with him last year mirrored the rest of the offense. I don't think he stuck out as worse than anybody else in the offense. Um, and the year before that, I think he was actually pretty productive, pretty good. Um, but nevertheless, this is... You, you know, maybe maybe if the cap weren't lower this year, they'd hang on to him. But I think this was a natural break point in the contract anyway. This was a natural spot where they kind of wanted to let bygones be bygones, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know what his role would be in this in this offense going forward. I mean, he was signed to be a number one. He's not a number one. You know, he never played like a number one. And we never really used him like a number one. Um, you know, he was a signing when we still believed we still had a chance with Eli, and that's why he was brought in. If we, you know, if we were rebuilding, he would not have been a guy we would have signed. But he was one of those. Let's give it the college try. We're not really ready to pack it in yet. Let's do one more, you know, one more run.
0: I don't necessarily like think that. I mean, I, I, do. I mean, at that point, we're, we're. Um, I'm sorry. No, this was. Before the draft, but I think at this point they had a good idea that they were going to be aiming for Daniel Jones anyway. So I know, I know that you know. To you, the rebuild didn't start until the moment that Eli is pulled for Jones. But for me, I mean, once you make that high end commitment, they are leaning very, very heavily towards. But that's,
1: this that's isn't not the a, year. That's not a signing that says we're rebuilding.
0: To me, yeah. that to me that's a signing of we have to put somebody out there.
1: Um, you can do it a lot cheaper. You can, you can, you, can put, you know If you're really, you know,
0: I don't think the contract was unfair for what he brings to the table. And quite frankly, that first year, that 2019 season, I think that Golden Tate was productive. Um, it just, you know,
1: is adequate. I don't know if productive. That might be a little bit of a strong word. It was adequate.
0: Okay, whatever. Yeah, that's that's yeah. fine. I mean,
1: you know, I
0: at a certain point the market is what you say you're worth. You know, it's. Sorry, I phrased that completely back. You're worth what the market says you're worth. you know. Right. So you have to keep that in mind when it comes to the money. He was not signed to be Beckham, which I think some
1: Giant fans think. No, no, of course not. Of course not. But he was signed to be our number one receiver.
0: Well, I mean it was a clear problem. You know, If you're going to trade Beckham for whatever your reasons may be, it's a mixture of reasons, right? The, the mixture of reasons includes the deal was right. And also, this man is a pain in were the ass. Yeah, they were done. I mean yeah. that's that's truly that's it. The,
1: that's the reason.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a combo, right? If the deal wasn't right, I don't think they're moving him for nothing.
1: They didn't they didn't discount him. Yeah, but yeah, the, the impetus for doing it was
0: we're done. But the understanding when making that trade was you were going to leave a massive hole in the roster at a specific position, and you'll need to make a move following right after that. Given the quick turnaround time, I think they had their eyes set on Golden Tate right from the get go when they pulled the trigger on the trade. Anyway. And it was just a matter of a couple of days to work out the details to finish that signing. I don't. I think this is just clearly like if we do this, we're going to have a void. We need to have a backup plan of some kind. I mean they, whether it's Eli Manning going out there on Sunday or Daniel Jones, they have to have somebody to throw to. If you're you making think, it one you last shot Lawrence with
1: – You don't think there was ever in their thought process that he could be a number one on this team?
0: I think it's just a matter that even if he is a number one, what he's not going to be able to do is – win against double teams on every single snap somebody else has to be lined up out there to take some attention away from Shepard. they don't view Shepard as a guy who can yeah he's not megatron you know what i mean well, that, Where, that was,
1: that was d- the giant's big problem this year is that nobody could do that
0: well there's a there's a myriad of issues oh, that, with the offense I mean, this year for when the
1: you know if daniel jones actually had time to throw if daniel jones you know didn't turn the ball over like he did early in the year if he actually got to throw off the next question is can his receivers get separation and that was a massive problem this year from the number one guy uh, on down
0: yeah i mean some of its receivers not having an elite ability to do that and some of it is just scheme design i mean
1: mm. it,
0: it, it, there's no amount of separation you're going to get within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, you know consistently. I mean corners are just gonna sit on that, linebackers
1: are gonna but then sit on do that. Anything. I mean, you, wait know, for you don't it. you're not just scheming for just catch it and fall. I mean you're, you're playing with those plays is you catch it and you you know try to do something once you have it and these guys could...
0: But but you have to run some other route to, to break up the the coverage. I mean th- those underneath routes work because corners fear some speed going over the top if you never run that route over the top they will never fear it so it's a combination of things I'm not I'm not absolving anything and a lot of that also happened when Darius Slayton suffered an injury which he definitely dealt with for the rest of the year I mean the injury he he was running a deep route when he had the injury he caught a touchdown pass I think yeah. against Washington yeah. caught a touchdown pass in the end zone and hurt his ankle and I don't think ever really recovered fully from that
1: and he wasn't Jerry Rice to begin uh, with either.
0: Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a, a ton of reasons, but nevertheless, the Giants have separated from Golden Tate. This just exemplifies the need at at wide receiver. And, and quite frankly, you know, the, the big – from what I understand, the big debate is on what you want to do at pick 11. There's a lot of wide receiver names. There's one inside linebacker – or linebacker of whatever nature name, which we mentioned in the last pod, which was Micah Parsons. And there's a tight end name. And all – we have now created two holes at the, on the roster at that position – at those positions. So underscoring the fact that some move will be made for both of those spots in this offseason. Yeah.
1: But this is not a surprising move. I mean we all – as fans – as podcasters, we knew this was going to happen anyway. And so uh, you could be pretty damn well sure that, you know, the, the front office had it pretty much probably marked in pen. They were doing this much before, you know, last Wednesday.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the news. Um, the bigger thing is, you know, all this stuff, this cat movement, restructuring Toy totally Lolo cutting Mayo, cutting Golden Tate. Um, This is all to get as much cap space as possible. They have a big problem on the defensive line, and that's going to be our kind of highlight for this episode is the defensive line. Right now, as it stands, the defensive line for the Giants contains first-round pick Dexter Lawrence, uh, third-round pick from a couple years ago, B.J. Hill, from 2018, Nico Lelos, who is an undrafted free agent, um, fifth or 6th round pick I can't remember from 2018 RJ McIntosh and somebody named David Moa so there's some talent there but this was a powerhouse portion of the roster last year I mean it's pretty much what kept the defense together you know we can we can single out players in the back end who played really well like Logan Ryan Blake Martinez and James Bradbury are all guys who played well but none of them would have been able to play as well as they have if the defensive line wasn't showing up the way they were um, it's the way team sport works. Um, so the big thing here is two stalwarts from 2020 s defensive line, um, are gone as of right now, Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson also gone is Austin Johnson, who, uh, subbed in on, on sub downs, you know, as a defensive tackle played pretty well, was a one year signing last year. I think he played pretty well in his limited time. Um, the thought process is that the Giants can bring back one and
1: not the other. Uh, do you agree with that? Um, I think they can bring back one. I mean they have to do some little more cap Olympics to make it happen for two. But if you're doing that, that's pretty much it, right? I mean then you really can't address any other spots on the roster.
0: Yeah, it's going to be difficult. I mean both of them are projecting to get somewhere around – I don't know. Around it's so hard to projecting air quotes. I, I, who's to say? But somewhere between the numbers of like 11 and 13 million a year, Dalvin maybe 10 to
1: 12. Yeah, my my question was going to be more towards what does our front office think Dalvin Tomlinson is worth? And that's it. You know, Leonard Williams we've 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 discussed for a year and a half now. There's no secret. Um, but Tomlinson, it's like you know. Can they get Can they get a deal done that makes sense? Or if he's if he's going to want comparable money to Larry Williams, they're going to let him walk. I mean, this franchise over the last decade has let defensive tackles walk. They don't overspend for him. We've been very fortunate. We've been able to replace through the draft, you know, the next generation, the next generation. But you know, unfortunately, we're not going into the free agent market to overspend. But I don't think. Uh, again with the so many needs and the, the limited amount of money we're going to have i don't know if they're going to put you know potentially 24 25 million dollars in one position group a lot of money
0: yeah i mean it, it is it is possible for them to resign both i think it would be difficult and it would hamper other things that they can do um, if it were up to you would you a resign both b resign one of them and which one or c move on from both
1: well I mean if it was up to me I'd sign them both obviously but you know in well, a real world I mean, I mean world,
0: given, given, given the market situation and the, and the cap situation in real
1: in the in the real world I would go after Leonard Williams I think Leonard Williams you know people didn't like the trade and if he walks they're still going to be very pissed but we got a year and a half out of him and he got continuously better and better you know he was like you know the de facto captain of the defensive line and the defense um he was a playmaker you know, Davlin Tomlinson is steady and solid, but Leonard Williams is a playmaker. He made plays. There were times where he was unstoppable. And um, I I want him back. Uh, again, Tomlinson, you know, he's, he's solid. Not spectacular. Do I want us, again, do I want to put that much money in the position group when I know I have so many other needs that need to be addressed? And we just talked about wide receiver. If we don't get the guy we want in the... You know, in the first round, we may have to get shell out more money than we want to free agency for a number one receiver. So I, you know, if they can make it work somehow, fantastic. But Leonard Williams is not going to ask for a hometown discount. He, you know, remember, he was franchised last year and he wants to make his money.
0: Um, well, I don't think either one of them is going to ask for Right, right. But discount. he
1: certainly is not going to. Absolutely not. You know, he's, Dalvin Thompson was drafted by the Giants. So, you know if one of the two may consider a slight shaving off the max they could get it would be him you know uh but i wouldn't i wouldn't count on it so my my if i had my druthers i would try to resign williams
0: yeah i'm going to agree with you and uh it, it's it's pretty simple why um it's been a while since a leonard williams has come out in the draft i mean and by that i don't mean an edge rusher I mean, a guy who is consistent on the defensive line in playing that five-technique spot from the three all the way out to, you know, I don't know, maybe he's played the I don't think he's played wide nine, but whatever. You know, he can play anywhere on the defensive line and be disruptive. He had a very productive season last year. I think he fits into this offensive well. I think he's harder to replace anyway. I mean, if you're talking about letting Leonard Williams walk my question is, who fills in and at what cost anyway? I mean, as how big of a question mark is he in filling in Leonard Williams' spot? And is the money comparable anyway? I mean, at that point, forget it. You might as well just keep the guy who's productive. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson is a, is a great defense. I, I like Dalvin Tomlinson a lot. He's been productive literally since he was drafted. You know, an un an unsung guy the year he was drafted, but all of his grade outs and his film work from his first year were spectacular. I mean, they were very, very good. Just wasn't talked about a lot. Um But, you know, I'd love to have him back. If we're talking realistically, I think dumping the amount of money necessary to do that would be irresponsible to the other positions, to protecting Daniel Jones, to trying to be competitive next year. I think what you can do is re-sign Leonard Williams and get somebody else. Maybe even re-sign Austin Johnson to fill in in those sub roles. Let Dex- Dexter Lawrence have a little bit more work. Let B.J. Hill have a little bit more work. You know, guys that are productive and can uh, you know It's kind jump of a shut-up and... here
1: for B.J. Hill, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you really expect from a third-round pick guy. I mean, he's rotational. He, he definitely took a backseat last year with the well, rotation I, that he had on the defensive I line. I put up but. or shut
1: up, like, is he going to fit in part of your plans going forward after this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, not he'll leap that. to be a Hall of Famer, but, like, is he somebody who's a rotational guy? Because, you know, the best part of his career was the beginning of his career. And, again, I know he wasn't in the rotation as much because of the depth and everything, but... He played better when he played when he first came up. Yeah,
0: yeah, he did. Um, I I wonder how much the the um the the change in roster, change in coaching, affected his availability or or you know what have you. But
1: let me ask you: Do you think the amount invested in the trade for Leonard Williams makes any difference in their decision making or their priority? Prioritization of Williams or um, Tomlinson?
0: I don't think it should. Um, does it, though? I mean, if it's me, you know, what's past is past. I've traded something. The trade already happened. The assets already switched hands. Whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I have this player now. Um, so it would not affect me, personally. You know, um, I would rather... Admit a mistake, then double down on it. Um, but for me, this is a decision that's difficult in itself. I mean, it, this is a tough situation. I I think you. I would hope that this wasn't a down year for the cap, so that I could keep this defensive line together. I I just no. I I don't think. I think
1: because this is this is it was I a think, high, I think
0: smarter heads. It was a high-profile you know,
1: trade that you know. It's one of those you know. Joey meathead always refers to like, Oh, you know, they got rid of all of this and it'd be such a waste. And, you know, I don't think that giant ownership, you know, listens to the average fan that much for making decisions. But, you know, this, this one's, it's not going to go over well if they don't resign him because, you know, it's
0: Joey, Joey Pastrami is going to be upset if, if, He's got a complaint ready for if they don't re-sign him because they gave up all this stuff. They couldn't even keep him. And if they do re-sign him, he's ready to complain about how much that they're spending in addition to the initial trade anyway. So it doesn't matter. Joey Pastrami is ready to fight on this trade. Just period. Um, that's just the fact here. It doesn't matter what happened. I mean if they re-sign him for a nickel – that he's ready to say, he's ready to keep complaining about the trade in itself. So yeah,
1: I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, does does public reaction play into any of this? Because there's going to be a reaction, and I I, I think I agree with you. I don't.
0: I, I just don't think so. I mean, again, this is an off season where you're either going to be getting a lot of praise from the public or a lot of hate from the public, but at the end of the day, it comes down to what happens in the season. I mean if they re-sign Leonard Williams and he's a fucking monster and the team you know, makes it to the playoffs or is in playoff contention or whatever, yeah, right? If the team plays well, it doesn't matter what happened in the offseason. Yeah, I mean it, it, this isn't an in-season move where you can immediately judge the impact of it. Like when you trade for him and he doesn't produce immediately, which is what marred that trade to begin with. Um, you know, there's other aspects to it, right? Like they traded for a guy who was in a contract year and, you know, there's implications to that. And I get that. But you can immediately criticize and point to numbers when it's in season. You know, when you re-sign Leonard Williams, if they start winning, they're not even going to remember that they complained about it to begin yeah.
1: with. Well, I wanted to follow up what you just said, something like, what would be a move or moves that would, do the what I call you know winning the offseason what, what, what is the giant fan who do we draft who do we get you know free agency or trade or whatever where the giant fan is like yeah like you know not the I'm talking about like the average clown who just be the first to complain when something doesn't go well but it's just like looking for something and be like yeah now I'm excited
0: like, who would that be uh, I, I think Ky- Kyle Pitts has to be the name I mean there's a lot of argument about um which wide receiver is best and for what reason and there there's legitimate debate there uh I mean to me the three best ones are are so close I don't know that it matters but there's there's legitimate reasons why you'd prefer one over the other but I think Kyle Pitts is such a and we'll get to tight ends in a, in the coming episodes but just such an anomaly at the position um he's a, a legitimate contention to be there at 11 um, there, there's reason to believe he'll be there at 11. I don't know that a single person would be upset. You know what I mean? So to me that's the move as far as like free agency wise. I don't know I don't know what you can I, I it it because you're you're hamstrung by the cap. I don't know how you win the offseason with free agency in a year like this. I mean, I the best thing I can think of is that you're able to keep both Williams and Tomlinson to be honest and, and still make other moves. You know moves.
1: something, you know the Kyle Pitts move, if they, uh, if they draft him, that kind of kills two birds with one stone because the fan base will get excited because that means that probably means Evan Ingram will be on his way out relatively so- mm-hmm. relatively sooner than later. So that makes him excited as well.
0: Yeah, that, to, to me, that's the move that I think every Giant fan can, can look to each other and shake hands and be like, yep, we I'd did buy it. it I just, would buy a jersey
1: that night. You heard it
0: here first. You know, hold him to that. We're going to need pictures. You know, that's not,
1: not even an issue.
0: Um,
1: some, so, so to me,
0: Leonard Williams is a guy that you try to re-sign, and Dalvin Tomlinson is the one that you, you give it your college try, but if it's if the numbers aren't in the cards, they're not in the cards. To me – You better get one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think letting them both walk would be a. – I'll say it straight up. I think it would be a disaster. Um, this defensive line is lackluster without one of them and uh, I'm going to go through it I, there's not a whole lot of replacements out there I mean if you let Leonard Williams walk who's the best guy to replace him Solomon Thomas maybe you know high draft pick who's nothing as a pass rusher you know, disciplined defensive end and a 3-4 defense and that's kind of it I mean
1: and remember you know even if we resign both of those guys, we had both of these guys last year, and the big call was we need an edge rusher, we need a, mm-hmm. we need more of a pass rush. So we're not solving all of the problems by bringing these two guys back. We're just
0: preventing preventing it from getting far worse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you let Dalvin walk, you have some freedom with moves here. I mean, Dalvin is a very, very good defensive tackle that that you know has some scheme versatility where he can play nose, he can play you know. He can play zero technique, one, two, three. He can move around. Um, and that, that allows with this defense versatility is everything. So that's that's great. But you can you can patchwork Dalvin, I think. You can sign a couple of guys. Uh you know, you can move around some of your own personnel to make Dalvin out of several guys. Um, you know, some familiar names are in there. Austin Johnson. He's war-
1: Tomlinson. He's not Warren Sapp. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Austin Johnson's a name I already mentioned. Uh, he looked good in limited snaps last year. He did his job, looked pretty good. Jonathan Hankins, former New York Giant, on the market, young enough, you know, productive enough. He's good at filling that spot. I, I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't consider Jonathan Hankins. For some reason, never really got the bag um, out there, never really.
1: And he's one of those guys, like I'm talking about, saying about about five minutes ago, where we don't re-sign yep, tackles. He's one of them. And that, that was one of them. He might have been the first one.
0: No, 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 This This goes back to Barry Cofield. Barry Cofield, then Linville jo- uh, Joseph, then oh, Jonathan yeah, I, Hankins. I,
1: I, I'm getting old. I don't remember my order anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it was a Jerry Reese thing. Jerry Reese was very good at evaluating defensive tackle talent and also knowing their worth. Uh, a lot of these guys outperformed – you know, to the point where they were going to command a lot of money in the market, and he knew that there was a replacement in the draft. What I will say is, also, I want to mention Hassan Ridgeway is another guy you might want to consider. He's got some scheme versatility as well, um, but he can he can kind of fill in those shoes. Um, but when you look at this draft, and I don't care if you're looking at a five technique, four, three, one, zero, any of these guys, there is not a really good replacement. I mean, there's I don't even know that there's
1: a starter um in the draft so what does that mean that means that the the price tag for these guys goes up mm-hmm.
0: yeah and what it also means is that the demand yeah i mean you have to figure this out because your solution is probably not in the draft again the draft is a crapshoot when i say that there's no that's my assessment uh you know i don't know I, I i look at you know patterns and i see it year after year so you know going through there was there's only one guy that I would think even has a shot on day one, and I don't have a day one grade on him, um, but that's defensive end Carlos Basham from Wake Forest. You know, 6'5", 280 pounds. He's he's a guy I would definitely keep my eye on to see if he starts to fall or if the Giants value that position that much can consider in the second round. I I have a second round grade on him. I, I Me personally managing the Giants don't think that that's a big enough need to match with the, the player evaluation but a guy to gotta to watch
1: we'll know pretty quickly we'll see if we have one or two of those guys left if we have none then you know that we, we may be you know they're expensive guys to replace and sometimes you know that may affect what your value is in the draft where you can get them relatively cheaply for four years or five years
0: oh yeah um there's, there's two other guys I have as day two Fringe Day 3 grades and you are somewhat familiar with one of them, definitely familiar with the other the first is uh, Vanderbilt defensive end, uh, Deo Odingbo Mm -hmm. Uh, he's got the right size 6'6", 280 Um, real disciplined. very rarely is overrunning anything he is coming off an Achilles injury so some of his tape looks like he can get bullied a little bit but I went back a little bit further and you can see that's a strength issue that he's clearly working to build back up Something to consider, though. Um, you know, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. You know, this is someone who's playing probably more towards the the four technique out. So you're looking at more of a Leonard Williams kind of position.
1: Yeah, a, a team like Vanderbilt is tough because you know, about five, six, seven years ago, they had some pretty decent talent on defense. And, you know, they used to have good linebackers. You know, they had a, a halfway decent defensive line. They never had the size that the rest of the SEC did, but they, they would scrape together pretty good defenses. So you get a little better evaluation of each individual guy. Like now their their talent level is not nearly what it was. And if you have somebody who's pretty decent, you know, they're going to get all the attention. And I think this is a guy that got all the attention. So what you see on tape may not be reflective of, his, of how good he really is or not. So it's hard to tell. With a guy from a from a school like Vandy, or from a school like Wake Forest, for that example too, yeah. you know these kind of. Well, Wake Forest, lower... though, I think th-
0: that, that that ACC there's there's more of their schedule as to their competition level I, than I think Vandy does it in the SEC. Uh,
1: well, I mean, Vandy does play in the East, so you're playing. It's not nearly as tough as the West, you know. You're not playing. Well, you play Bam every year. That's your that's your your rival game, quote unquote they play so but you know wake forest they you know there's there's some there's more dregs in the acc than the sec you know it's top heavy with the clemsons and last year with with notre dame uh, but going from elite to okay to crap there's definite levels you can see the distinctions where in the sec you have elite very good good and then a couple of bottom feeders. So it's hard to tell, especially with a team like Vanderbilt, where they, you know, they have different academic standards. Mm-hmm, yeah. they, you know, they don't have the resources. They don't have the facilities where you get somebody who comes in there. You can, hey, you should be sure he's a smart guy, but he's going to get the bulk of the attention. So it might be a little tough to evaluate.
0: Somebody that you were a little bit more familiar with would be TJ Slayton from Florida. Um, very, very interesting body. Uh, you know, at 6'5", but also like 340 pounds, he has that scheme versatility. You know, he's got the wingspan that he can play a little bit further out, and he's got the weight to be a zero technique right off the bat. So, you know, and and from what I've seen just watching Florida defense, he's impossible to ignore. Um, He's got some drawbacks here and there, but, you know, a lot of things that you want to – I think he's a rotational player. I think he's a – I have him as a third round, fourth round draft pick grade. Um, I I really like what I see from him in what Florida asked from him, but I kind of want to know your perspective on it.
1: Yeah, I that seems a little generous for me. TJ um, Slayton was a guy that you know he played for Florida for four years. He was eligible for a fifth year, but he left to go out. It um, was a big recruit. Took and it also had weight he lost weight you know we have a very good uh, strength program he lost some of the excess weight uh the thing for me is last year when Kyrie Campbell was out and you know that defensive line sucked <laughs> unfortunately uh, they they had they could generate they couldn't generate a pass rush and expose the weaknesses in scheme and the secondary um when Kyrie Campbell came back, people got to play in their natural positions. The line played a little better, um, but I mean, he's a guy that always was. The, the expectations were greater than what we got from him. You know, can make a play here or there, but not consistent enough, and didn't step up when he had the opportunity to really step up last year. So, I'm not sure if I'm if he's a third round pick for me. It seems a little high. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I can understand that. I think a product of what you know, Florida asked of him in lining him up kind of prevents him from filling anybody's shoes or stepping up to the plate with anything. I mean, I think there was a lot of problems with Florida's defense last year that he is only a part of. Yeah. You know, and perhaps he didn't step up.
1: He wasn't, no, no let me, let me, he wasn't part of the Florida defensive problem. This is what I'm saying is when he had the opportunity to kind separate of separate himself, you know, in his place, right, he did not separate himself to stand out to say, God, this guy. This guy's something, you know. There, we didn't we didn't miss a beat when uh, Kyrie Campbell was out, and he could have done that. But that's not saying that he sucked by any means, and he was a, a steady, solid guy. Uh, just made it not the the top end impact that we hoped when he was recruited.
0: I mean, that's and that's that's a fair assessment that I you know, especially when you bring in recruitment with it too. I mean, you're you're bringing in a whole other level of judgment of anticipation,
1: you know. Let's put it this way. We all thought for sure he'd be gone after three years. And he probably might have been best served to come back for his fifth year. So that's telling you, you know, again, a lot of that is anticipation and expectation based on, you know, what your recruiting was and what your ranking was and your, you know, you know, the excitement level on on signing day. But he never was that guy that we expected. I mean he sucked but he wasn't that guy
0: um and and, i mean this should say everything if i'm if i'm touting this guy that i have as a fringe third fourth round pick as guys to target i mean that's really where the bulk of this talent is somewhere around the fourth round i mean and most of it's lower i have graded and some of that is due to and i'm going to highlight a specific person um but some of it is due to what is asked of them so you know there are some guys who are not asked to rush the passer in any respect, and they are just space eaters. They are the the Damon Harrisons of the college world, um, and and I think if you asked anybody in the NFL if they had known what Damon Harrison would be, he would not have been undrafted. Um, you know, he probably would have went sure. way higher. Um,
1: Hindsight remains 2020. But, but
0: there is value in that, even if it's a lower value than a pass-rushing interior defensive lineman. But somebody like Tyler Shelvin from LSU, um, he sat out 2020. But you're talking about a guy who's 6'3", 340 pounds, big person, very large. Um, and you know, despite whatever production he had or didn't have in 2019, he's solid on film, and you can see that he is moving. SEC offensive lineman backwards, just just walking them back towards the quarterback. You know he's got already in twenty nineteen NFL body and NFL strength. I mean, again, I don't know. There's no combine or you know whatever, so I don't know what his conditioning is in twenty twenty one. But yeah, and
1: these guys, and these guys who don't play, it's up to them to make themselves. They gave themselves, you know, fourteen months in effect. To be ready for now, even though it may not be the the combine that we're all used to, but to be ready to be evaluated, ready to be drafted. Um, what, what What is your overall take on the guys who opted out last year? Do you... When you're evaluating, do you look at that as a negative? Do you look at that? How I don't do you, look at it
0: as anything. I, I, I got to be honest. Anything? I, you know, I don't have the time to look into every player's situation. I don't know if they have a grandma who's sick, who takes care of them on you know, vacations away from school.
1: I, oh, no, no, no. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about the, the decision okay. to. I'm talking about do you factor in that they have lost a year of playing and they've lost a year of being in a controlled environment? The way I take works. it. I, well, I and take it play by player by player.
0: I look at. I mean, okay. there are certain positions that require a lot more weight gain, strength gain, etc. You know, I look at guys where I look at their 2019 film. I understand that you're looking at a sophomore, and you're like, man, next year this dude's going to be even better. And if he didn't have that next year, then I, you know, write it down. It's it's worth writing down to remember. You know, this guy could have been somebody to keep an eye on if he gained some weight and strength. We'll see what he did in that time. Um, you know, things like that,
1: like, like, I'm not worried about a guy like Jamar chase, for example. It's like, you know, you're fast, you're fast, you can catch, you can catch. It's just, you know, it's a different type of maintain maintenance than an offensive tackle or defensive end or something. So guys, you know,
0: I mean if there's rumors of character issues as well, I might take that into account. Like maybe he's just taking the year off to be lazy. But I don't think there's a whole lot of that. Anyway, I mean uh, these guys are out there to make money and make an impression. I, I don't. Yeah,
1: they're – yeah, those guys – and that flag would have been identified while they were in college. There's not that, a whole yeah. lot of
0: like Allen Iverson in the NFL or, or in football in general. I mean it's – nobody is as good as they are on raw talent alone at this level. So I, I don't know that – You can't be. Yeah. You
1: couldn't. You, there's no way. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, so I, 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 it's something I take note of, but not something I hold against them or anything. Like, just, just something to keep in mind, you know.
1: Do you look at it as a positive in any way? Because it's a year less of taking a beating on your body. Sure,
0: if you're a running back, yeah, I'll take that.
1: If they've got, I mean, it's difficult, right?
0: You look at the running back position and and you say, you know, the more reps you have, you know, the more tread on your tires is worn off. You know, that's that's a negative in a sense. Uh, especially injury history, things like that, but also, you know, the position value, you need as much good film as possible when you're a running back because you can be lumped in with a bunch of other guys. Uh, yeah, I, I would say there's there's certain positions where you get in a beating. Um, running back is definitely one of them. I, I think also you can look at some guys where, you know, like you said, Jamar Chase, you know, you're fast, you're fast. You're not going to lose that by not, Unless you're sitting on
1: the couch eating bomb right, all right. Day,
0: but but uh, there there's some other thing you know, if if you've got a guy who's like Trevor Lawrence, for instance, where, you know, after freshman year you know what this guy is going to be capable of and you know, yeah. you have him skipping his junior year, you know, I view that as a smart business decision. I just wanna see your pro day. You know what I mean? I wanna make sure that everything's still in order and whatever. But there are some guys who you know the moment they hit the field at eighteen years old. That they are something. If they took this year off to not have a beating on them, in no matter what position they put. I mean, you think about ACL tears on the outside. You know, it's a possibility that wrecks everything. Um, so yeah, I I I view it potentially as a smart decision, but it's not something I'm going to overly think about. Like, oh, maybe that was pretty smart of him to do that. I just, just you know, just write it down. <laughs> yeah. That's really it for the defensive line. I mean, it's those guys in the draft. It's it's the handful of guys as free agents. You know, J.J. Watt came and went in like one day. Uh, you know, it's this is going to be a huge focus for the whole offseason on what this does. And, and bated breath, you know, the, people are going to wait to see what the production is before they – well, not before they judge it, but – they're, they're gonna go be ready a lot
1: of directions where it can go mm-hmm.
0: that's for sure they're gonna be ready for for whatever happens on the first Sunday of the year they'll have their tweets ready trust me no. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. but i mean hey we we gave a couple of scenarios there you know i I don't think it's smart to get rid of both because replacing both is gonna be damn
1: near impossible believe me that's not gonna be their decision i mean they're they're, they're not making a you know a a franchise decision, like we're just moving on from both. It's going to be, you know, which one of them wants to stay, you know, because it may be something where they're, you know, they may just decide to sign somewhere else and even give them a, a shot. Um, But, you know, we hope for the best. I mean, if they can pull out a way to keep both guys and make it economic sense to do so. Oh, they,
0: they will want to do that, yeah.
1: Fantastic. But if not, you know – it. It, th- those decisions will kind of impact the draft and going forward. We'll just have to wait. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's it for us. Unf- I, know, I know I made a big stink about we're always going to do a defense and always do an offense, but the, the defensive line and the offensive line are too interconnected with how you maneuver your free agents and re-sign guys or whatever that it was just the defensive line needed to be tackles and ends. And to mix that with offensive yeah. line would have been – like a three-hour episode, so that's this—that's what we get this week—is the defensive line, in a nutshell. So next week we will move to the offensive line. Yeah, sound good. Yeah, yeah
1: that's another. That's uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that one too because you know there's a lot to discuss with it. You know the, the progress is being made. What has to be done? How do you approach it? there's a lot to discuss, so that'll, that'll be. A so good tune in one. next
0: week, same dang time, same dang place. So that's every Tuesday morning. Yeah, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple. You know, the these uh, these episodes are always the same places, and they're always Tuesday mornings, first thing in the morning. They're actually available at 5 a.m. If you guys are subbed, you will have it right away in your queue.
1: Do me a favor, everybody. Get a good night's sleep. Don't wake up at five in the morning to hear these two voices, please. Just have it ready for yeah.
0: you when you <laughs> when you are awake and you gotta drive to work or if you can just if you're lucky enough to listen to music while you work or listen to podcasts while you work, it'll be ready for you in the interim. You can follow us on Twitter as well at football underscore grump is where you can find me uh grumping
1: You'll catch me cranking ranking cakes at the cranky fan
0: and as always all of the episodes are bumped on twitter as well with the handle at just pod so you can follow that as well for straight up episode bump um
1: yeah do us a favor and give us a follow and tell a friend retweet some of our stuff if you think we say something that sounds good retweet it tell the world if you think we're stupid tell us also i don't
0: mind being told i'm stupid Been a a whole lifetime of being stupid, let me tell you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He's been prepping his whole life for this moment.
0: (laughs) I'm well trained. All right, everyone. Yes. We will see you next week. The Giants.